0: Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hello and welcome to this Coach House Beacon. I'm Andy and we're now into our second century of Beacons. Perhaps it's time to thank all the contributors that have given their time and their energies so far. Jamie and Becca Baker, Steve and Alina Adzer, Johnny Knight and Roger. Daniel Lamb, Steve Wendt, Melanie Jackson have all worked hard to keep you inspired and connected during this lockdown period. But it's also been a great advantage to us to do these talks, seeking inspiration from the Holy Spirit and God's Word, as well as speaking truth from the everyday situations that we find ourselves in. So I trust you've been helped, encouraged and challenged along the way, both as a listener and those who have risen to the challenge of producing these beacons. As pastor of the Coach House, it's been tremendous to see the speaking team dig deep and respond with such rich application. It bodes well for the church family going forward. So thank you, everyone, for your efforts. And thank you to you, the listener, who's encouraged us to maintain such a high standard. The ethos behind these beacons has been to keep connected and to remind ourselves of the awesome God that we serve in these strange, and in some instances, lonely times. Melanie's next beacon, which I've been privy to, has been triggered by a newspaper article that we read together about the hum, the sound that started creation. I'll leave it for Mel to dig deeper into this, but all I will say is this. Modern day science, which is bringing up these theories, and yet we know it from our Bibles to be true. It was as God spoke and uttered sound that creation came into being. But you have to wait for Mel's next beacon to discover more. But it is worth the wait. Scripture has many times spoken the truth ahead of science's discoveries, whether it be describing the stones in the New Jerusalem in Revelation, a list of stone which modern science has proved will illuminate in pure light. To the discovery of lost time by NASA which confirms the scriptural references of days standing still. The Bible is continually being shown as relevant and trustworthy. With regard to the stones in the walls of the New Jerusalem, we shone lasers at them and they respond with beautiful light. But some wondered why some of the precious stones that twinkle in our jewelry nowadays, diamonds and the like, were not in the list in revelation. But God knew before time which stones would be needed, reserved to reflect pure light. Why is this important? Well, it is because the scriptures, in this case the revelation given to John while in Patmos around 95 AD, were written some, wait for it, 1,865 years before the first laser was ever produced. And what does it tell us? That scripture as inspired by God, is well ahead of the science of today. In Revelation 21 verse 23, John writes that the New Jerusalem, the city prepared by God for the believers in eternity, does not have a sun or a moon to illuminate it. Instead, the glory of God will shine forth as pure light, and hence the list of stones. Makes you think, eh? We may not understand all that we read in God's word, And some have claimed that the word is therefore a matter of weak faith in a man-inspired collection of books. But the only reason we don't understand it is mainly because man just hasn't caught up with the understanding of an all-powerful God. And the same stands true for us in almost every situation we find ourselves, which is why we are asked to trust God in all circumstances. The picture may not be clear to us, but it is to him. Now as we negotiate our way through a return to our church buildings, it's been good to remind ourselves that we are the church, not the bricks and mortar of the building. And we should do well to keep reminding ourselves of this, and to make sure that as we do return, we don't make our buildings a refuge from the world, but rather use our newfound freedom of expression, demonstrated in neighbourly love and relationships to brightly shine in our neighbourhoods and communities that we serve. After all, Jesus, in his most famous sermon, the one on the mount, that starts in Matthew chapter 5, says this. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead," A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Now that's my prayer as we start to come back to our fellowships and church buildings. Let's not go into hiding enjoying the safety and the sanctuary of our buildings. We are the church, and we are called to be seen in our communities, to serve the people around us, and to honour God who has shown us great mercy and is willing to forgive all those that are drawn to him. One of the things that we cannot do straight away is sing. Even today, as we gather in small distance groups, we're not allowed to sing or play loud music if people are talking. Exhale breath with force travels longer distances, we're told, or something we have to get used to. But I suggest it may be one of the hardest things for us to bear. And believe it or not, there's a scientific reason why. So let's have a think about this. We all know that worship of God is important. Now I'm actually going to tighten up our understanding of worship to just the act of singing and chanting as defined in the Old Testament. The Psalms are all prayers which were to be sung. There are many other instances of God's people singing out their feelings and thoughts about God. In fact, today, a great deal of our theology or understanding of God comes from the songs we sing. We retain the memory of a song far better than a decent sermon. Football fans know this well. They chant and sing their theology of their club on the terraces, and with it comes a passing down of historical rivalry and praise for heroes. Somehow we can recall words to songs. That's any songs, almost word for word, without ever starting out to learn them. Think of some of your favourite ditties. It won't be long before your brain supplies the lyrics to you. And it's because of this that work with Alzheimer's sufferers has started to focus on singing songs. Somehow, the brain stores the info in a slightly different place, and when stirred into action, releases it. Perhaps it's because songs are emotive and powerful, but I think it's perhaps deeper-rooted than that. We are made in the image of God, so I suspect that we are wired to appreciate singing. After all, God in Zephaniah 3, verse 17, says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You see, God sings over us. So singing is inbuilt in us, whether we like it or not. But if we just backtrack a little, If songs are good for our memory, and big chunks of our theology are inspired by the songs we listen to and sing, then it perhaps makes perfect sense that God instructed his people to worship him, to sing songs about him, to chant about his goodness. This was the staple diet of his people in the Old Testament. Read any psalm to see how the nature of God, who he is, and what he does for us, is sung over and over again. Science has caught up now. It now sees the good that songs can do for us, but God ordained it years before. And even as we venture into the New Testament, we're encouraged to sing together about God's goodness, to sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs that help to build faith, gain strength and help overcome loneliness. The biggest benefit though, is that what we sing in our memories, or what we sing sticks in our memories. We remember it. Ask anyone to recite a bit of a hymn, and they should be able to do so. It's a powerful indicator that God has used music and singing to act as an aid memoir to his people throughout the ages. So the lack of singing may be a worry to us. It may even be the thing that we find the hardest to do without as we return. And actually, it has nothing to do with style or presentation. It's what we associate our theology with. Ask anyone why they feel attached to some of the old hymns, and if you dig, you'll find that it isn't the tune; it's simply the truth of the words being sung. We may not be able to sing out for a while yet, but we can still listen to music and allow God to strengthen our hearts. Singing will return, and when it does, there will be a loud and joyful proclamation of who God is, resounding throughout the land. In the meantime. It's been suggested that we hum and let our minds fill in the rest. Singing in silence isn't something new. In fact, true worship comes from the heart. So let's not despair, but trust God for all that he is doing. And I'll finish with this. Galatians 4 verse 6 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, join us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.